I'm JR and this is Water. Uh, this is our In the Middle podcast. So uh, just a little bit about ourselves first. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm from Michigan, but I currently live in Colorado. Um, and previously uh, politically affiliated, I'm, I'm not affiliated with any political party, um, but I consider myself center left. So, um, you know, I, I support, you know, in 2016, Bernie Sanders and, and I voted for Joe Jorgensen and Gary Johnson. So I'm, I'm kind of center left. I, I would consider myself more of a traditional liberal, but, um, you know, that's, that's just kind of me. All right. So, uh, again, I'm water. I'm also a Michigan boy, uh, living out here in Colorado. Um, Politically, I've kind of, I'm, you know, middle ground, probably center right. I do like a, a lot of libertarian ideas. I voted for both Bernie Sanders and Gary Johnson. Uh, Bernie in the primary, Gary Johnson uh, for president. This time around, uh, I'm going to have to say it. It's a dirty word, I know, but I did uh, cast the ballot for uh, Mr. Trump. Um, <laughs> I tend to be a... Uh, uh, little more conservative but uh, on issues like uh you know equal rights gay marriage you know that kind of stuff i would say i'm pretty pretty socially liberal uh maybe even uh like classical liberal you know ideas need to be heard kind of thing versus you know not not shutting everything down and i mean you know there are a lot of uh bad ideas that um you know, it can be shut down right away with, you know, better ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure I voted for Obama the first time around. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, definitely had a, a watch party for his inauguration and stuff. And, like, I mean, it was a good time, you know. But 2008, 2009, was crazy times to be alive, mm-hmm. you know. And and we both grew up in, in pretty rough uh, neighborhoods, but a lot of people would say the, the ghetto um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not the best neighborhoods to say the least. Maybe not like, uh, you know, ghetto of LA or New York city, you know, but, uh, definitely not that hardcore, but definitely growing up around like gang violence and, you know, drug dealing and mm-hmm. all the, uh, typical tropes of, uh, living in the city. Yep. I actually, uh, um, Spent a significant amount of time in the country, you know, in Michigan too. So that definitely, uh, um, you know, kind of helped shape me. You know, that for somebody that lives in the city, I I think, uh, you know, if 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 the left and the right are arguing over something, you know, I'm usually the guy in the back of the room saying why we're all uh, we're all doomed, <laughs> you know. Um, sure. And. You know, just kind of growing up in both kind of areas and getting to see what both sides of people, you know, are saying, then trying to, you know, I think, like, I guess my biggest goal for the podcast is to kind of hit the average American, you know. Absolutely. We both grew up working class families, borderline poor class, probably poor class at, uh, most certainly at certain points early on in our lives, um. You know, but uh, um, so what? What are we? Uh, what are we here to talk about today? Well, I'd I'd say uh, I mean, <laughs> I I kind of I did want to talk with our introductions out of the way uh, about that two thousand dollars stimulus just off the front. Off like, the front, okay. So I, uh, 
I kind of want to hear your hot take on on what you think about the repeated blocks of so one. Of that uh, I'm just gonna come out and say, uh, you know, with Mitch McConnell coming and saying, you know, uh, we're vetoing this, and then you know we're gonna introduce my own bill, and it, like it, that's not how it works. Like mm-hmm. that, you know. It's not really a passable bill at that point. Like, it's got to be introduced in the House and then in the Senate. And then mm-hmm. there can be subcommittees and stuff. But, uh, you know, this... So, he, all right. So, being more conservative, I'm definitely not super pro, like, the government paying for everything. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a huge, huge fan of, um, pay, you know... Not necessarily not paying for people's education, but mm-hmm. it, I don't think the government's the best avenue to go down for basically any kind of social program. Like most, some of them are good and, and do have good intents. Don't get me wrong. Uh, growing up poor, you know, my parents definitely were on welfare and mm-hmm. definitely had food stamps. So, you know, I kind of have mixed mixed feelings about that, you know, but I really don't think that the government for the most part is the right vehicle for that kind of stuff. But sure. that being said, uh, the $600 stimulus, that's a slap in the face. That's not even, it's not even half a month's yeah. rent for somebody. Okay. And then the two, the $2,000 stimulus, I guess my problem with the $2,000 stimulus as it stands right now is they're not reallocating any more money. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, wanting to add more money to this. Absolutely. And so, with not being a fan of social programs, I know I uh, before we kind of hit on this a little bit, but seriously, uh, things that I would rather see um, this stimulus money going towards, you know, in this huge omnibus bill, right? Mm-hmm. Now, remember, uh, the COVID relief package is just a, uh, like, offshoot package attached to a much larger... trillion spending package. And so I think it's like a clever ruse for them to kind of get our attention off of the omnibus bill. Mm -hmm. And, uh, excuse me. Um, Everybody in the United States right now should have free education for life, free healthcare for life, Help, free food, why not? You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I would rather see all of those things happen than $10 million go to Pakistani gender studies. Absolutely. I would, I would you know, I'm sorry, like, I, me and you have talked about this numerous times before. They will behead you for being gay yeah. in the Middle East. Absolutely. You know, um, and that's not to, you know, uh, say all people in the Middle East are bad, just that's against their religion man it, mm-hmm. it really is and uh <clears throat> well and i think you know to that point sorry to interrupt or interject here but i think people could argue that that might be why you might need gender studies in the middle east but i think the problem with that is that we are in a situation where like we talked about before it's you know you have 14 15 different governors shutting down entire states and destroying people's livelihoods and 
while you know we've agreed that you know a two-week lockdown maybe a month lockdown is reasonable at this point we're at month 10 of lockdown people's lives being destroyed restaurants not being reopened and you know people aren't having the freedom to do what they need to do and so when you create that kind of situation i mean i don't understand where the government is in a position to say to us yeah here's your 600 dollars, but we're going to give 10 million dollars to you know, gender studies in the Middle East. That's my problem with it. Right. You know? And, you know, uh, you could make... There is... I'm not saying there's not an argument to be made. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's not the time. Absolutely. And... You can't... Uh, you can't take a people... And see... Like, if if they come... If, if uh, people... Uh, if Muslims come over here... Right, mm-hmm. we don't allow the practice of Sharia law. Right, so they got to kind of um, uh, what's the word? Integrate. Yeah, yeah, they got to integrate. Yeah. yeah, they got to assimilate and, and integrate with our cultures here. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, again, I don't want to just diss on Sharia law or anything like that, but that is against. Uh, traditional western values sure they're different absolutely but if you're going to the place where that's their tradition right right wrong uh you know that's how those people live that's what they believe in and you know we can't to a certain degree we have to let people figure life out for themselves personal responsibility and you know we have a lot of problems here you know we can't I know we've been in the Middle East which is a a totally different topic uh, with all the wars and stuff but you know um, if these people where this stuff is I mean you know that's their holy city's Mecca you know they have this whole belief structure that they've had for you know a long time now, 15, 1,600 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to be able to change minds overnight, you know. And right now, we're we're at our knees. We're on our knees, man. Like, like you said, we have 15 state governors uh, that have totally totally locked down. You have a bunch of other states that are on some kind of restrictions, right? Um, there's a few states that are totally open, um, you know, but this, like I said, man, uh, there's, they have, uh, studying, but they, they got money going towards lizards on treadmills with this right now. Like, yeah, or, uh, battling Asian car or counting Asian carp in the, in the Gulf of Mexico, which right. again, I, I think there's a time and a place to have that conversation. Not right but, now, they close yeah. down our economy. You know, if you look at, they're, they're saying like back in, uh, oh, probably in May, you know, when they, when the initial, okay, we're going to, the, the two weeks turned into a month, right? And we're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you know, May. It's going to be the month. And then, like you said, with 10 months later, but uh, you, they were saying that at least 33% of all the small businesses in America would never reopen its doors. 
And that was after like one and a half, maybe two months mm -hmm. deep into this 10 month lockdown. So that kind of a timeline, if you're talking about one third, right? 33% of all small businesses have, wouldn't be, couldn't keep their doors open for longer than a month or two. We're 10 months deep. Even, even the best savers, even the best restaurants, you know, if you're talking not, not your chain franchises, your mom and pop yep. places, the places where, you know, you've been here for what, two years now? Mm -hmm. Okay. The places that like people you work with tell you to go eat, yeah. you know, not your, everybody knows you can go get McDonald's. Yeah. You know, they might not know about, uh, I don't know if Illegal Pete's is a, a you know, franchise restaurant. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if it is or it isn't, but I've never heard of it before right. coming out here. So it wasn't it, at least out in Michigan. And uh, you know, or like my favorite one of my favorite bars back uh, back in Grand Rapids, the PlayStation. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like they have managed to barely, you know, hang on. Yeah. And. Uh, but there's a lot of places that the locals go to after work to hang out for a couple hours. And that's how these people survive. Mm -hmm. It's not McDonald's. Absolutely. You, they don't have great advertisement. The owner could be super smart and, and spend a lot of money in advertising. And a lot of, you know, there's, you know, officially, what, 3.4 million people in Denver? Yeah, okay. something like that. This, uh, all of those people know McDonald's. What small fraction do they know of Joe Steiner? You know, yeah. That so, that, and that's what I mean. That the marketing and stuff. The, these guys, McDonald's spends billions of dollars every year for PR. Mm -hmm. Joe Steiner can't afford to do that. Yep. You know, and uh, so that you know, one third, two months. You know, two uh, a couple months ago, I read in the. Uh, one of the local Denver papers here, right? Mm -hmm. um, two thirds of all restaurants are going to be under if this lockdown continues for another month or two. Yeah. And it does not look like it's going to end. So this whole stimulus, $2,000, you know, these people made $130,000 in nine months. The base congressmen make 174000 a year. Mm -hmm. So for nine months, uh, $130,000 to sit, we've got $1,200, mm -hmm. we, we stopped the way we were living. And sure, there are some positives that come out of this, mm -hmm. right? Sure, the air might be a little bit cleaner, but it's not a positive solution if as soon as we're, we're not locked down... Um, as soon as you're you're not locked down, if stuff's gonna go right back to the way it was, you know we still there's no real net gain and less than three hundred thousand people dying, which is still a huge number. But all right, so before we hit this uh, segment, I just wanted to hit a disclaimer. Uh, my math was terrible on Sunday when we originally recorded. So I wanted to talk about this, the, the scaling thing, and it's, 
I meant to say 100 iPhones originally. You know, that's it, 10 iPhones is 10%, and I, I do know this. My my math was bad, but the 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 point still stands. This thing doesn't really scale well. You're at 1%, uh, you know, one iPhone out of 100, and then you, you it's not a problem. You know, if one, if one phone out of 100 iPhones is bad, not a huge issue. But if you get to, let's say, you know, a million, right? You're at, what is that, 10,000? 10,000? Yeah, 10,000. Uh, when you hear about 10,000 iPhones being bad, you assume there's a problem, but it's still only 1%, you know? So uh, that's, I, I just wanted to add a little disclaimer there. Again, uh, there was... A lot of stuff going on first podcast uh trying to get some jitters out of there and again uh terrible terrible math so i i do apologize but um bear with me we definitely will get better uh you have the scaling problem with this right mm-hmm. it just doesn't scale well you know if you got if 10 people have iphones and one of those iphones is malfunctioning not a big deal, right? 1%. Well, if there's a thousand phones out there, then that's a hundred, you know? And then when you're talking a million, that's a hundred thousand. Right. And saying the raw number is... Right. A but lot, it's, it's still... But that 1%, look, man, uh, the, the garbage man doesn't have a hundred percent chance of, of living. Dude, I could get in the car after leaving here and be dead. Well, to me, and it's not even about that argument. It's it's more um, about you know when we talk about like personal responsibility and personal freedom. I think that America historically has had a culture that is rooted in in being able to peacefully assemble and you know peacefully maneuver uh, freely. Yeah, and for whatever reason, right. And so, you know, while, you know, we've sat here and agreed that, okay, yeah, the government as a function, you know, intervening to shut down for a couple of weeks while they maintain and or build up the infrastructure right. to, you know, uh, withhold and withstand a major uh, public health crisis. Uh, I think any reasonable human being would would see that as something that's reasonable. Right. Uh, but when you begin to wield that power like Gavin Newsom in a way that uh, is very authoritative and and use that to decide who is able to make a living and who's not, you know, who's able to move about freely and who's not you know when you're going to restaurants gavin newsom but and and not wearing masks but everybody else has to do that all right so we had to take a momentary break move our little uh room here uh, but i was uh on a, a rant about gavin newsom yeah and uh pretty much my my point being is that he's a hypocrite 
and wielding this power in in very author- authoritative ways that are is very scary for you know the general population because you know the rules don't apply to him rules for thee but not for me yeah. is is his saying on that and so i mean when you're doing that and wielding that power in that way and then you see something like you know Jeff Bezos and and Elon Musk as much as i like the dude you know it's like they they're gaining wealth in in the hundreds of billions right well, it, it's a concerning situation mcdonald's is thriving but like you said the illegal pete's down the street is struggling to get by yeah man i remember the first time i came out here like I, it was like the second day i was here man bryce and i i was i was like uh we're looking for burgers or tacos, mm-hmm. something right? Like, I'm a big, you know, food guy. Yeah. Like, you've, uh, I love to eat. And uh, so, yeah, I've seen Illegal Pete's, and I was like, hell yeah, let's go check this out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, they were close, man, you know. And, uh, um, you know, with the whole Gavin Newsom, it, so my dad, uh, when this all first started, you know, um, I was pretty critical right off the bat. Like I thought, okay, yeah, if you can work from home, work from home, mm-hmm. you know, if we can, if we can get some people to, to like work from home, you know, I was able to work from home to begin with, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of good information out there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were saying, no, 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 like that. The, the WHO, uh, World Health Organization, I believe when they when uh, this first broke in Wuhan, I, I think they said there was no, you know, human-to-human contact, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. And, I mean, now we know, right? Now mm-hmm. we know. It's hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I, I said right from the beginning, uh, you know, this, this two-week lock, it's going to be longer than two weeks. I wasn't for it. Like... Mm-hmm. I will agree and concede that uh, a lot of people were afraid, you know, but uh, Ben Franklin, man, uh, those who desire security over liberty, you deserve neither, you know? Yeah, sure. And I don't, (laughs) there's never really been an instance in human history, recorded or otherwise, where you can really point out where the government once they seized some kind of power that they gave it back to the people. Mm, yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's very evident in, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier with all these mandates and stuff like that. And, and, you know, kind of to bring it back to the stimulus and, and why that's a slap in the face to the average American, you know, I mean, millions of Americans are struggling to make ends meet. Like you said, you know, $600 barely covers that rent. That, that's an insult, dude. I mean... Everybody in this country is insulted. Absolutely. I, you know, I don't think anybody in this country thinks that $600 is reasonable. So $1,800. I mean, the internet, the wild place that, that it is, I mean, I don't... I haven't seen a single post about this being good. Oh, yeah. Not a single one. No. And, uh, you know, you could talk about the it being an echo chamber. Sure, that's fine. It might be an echo chamber. But then if you go over to, you know, um, 
what parlor um which is right wing twitter i mm-hmm. guess uh i i've checked it out you know i don't i don't even post on twitter so i just like to see what people say sure and, um you know nobody's happy about this man no nobody of course not and they <laughs> they might be they, you know it might be for different reasons, right? Right. I'm sure the people on the left are very upset about it for similar but different reasons than people mm-hmm. are on the right. Like me, myself, like I said, I'm I'm not a big... We can't just create money out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's got to be based on... In our case, it's the U.S. petrodollar, right? Mm-hmm. Even then, if it's based on oil... Right. Mm-hmm. If it if it's if it's based on a commodity, you only have a finite amount of that. Absolutely. You know, look at a, a really good example of Venezuela. Right. Mm-hmm. Dude, they like their cash was worthless to them. Absolutely. And we can't just keep adding more money. It, it's gonna it. The, the blister's going to pop at some point if we keep doing that. Absolutely. And, and you know, that gave me a thought just now. And, you know, I'm not an uh, economist, so anybody who probably listens to this is going to probably educate sure. me. But, um, which is part of the point of this. But right. um, I, I wonder if that's why Bitcoin has gone up so much. Uh, because so a lot, yeah, a lot of people. The are, are value about, of the dollar has yeah. been so devalued through the creation of these, you know, trillion dollar deals, and and you know, I I actually am curious, and I want to try and do some digging because I know that in the CARES Act they had a lot of curious stuff as well, um, but everybody was so concerned at that point because the economic impact the, had the been fear, deep. The fear and, well, it wasn't even the fear at that point because at that point, I mean, when did they pass it? It was late March. Oh, yeah, that is So true. it was after they had already locked down for two, three weeks and yep. everybody had been going without money. Like, right. they needed to pass something. Right, yeah. And I mean, yeah, you can't you can't allow the entire economy to crumble, but you also... Just well, it's their can, fault. Yeah. And that's and that's where I... But I, I want to look into that CARES Act, though, because I want to figure out you know, where in there is the same stuff that they put in this new bill. Yeah, so uh, they were pushing for digital currency. Um, so one, the government doesn't like competition. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't. And uh, the whole cryptocurrency thing, like that really competes with uh, the government. The government's monopolization over currency, right? Mm-hmm. All, dude, these these knives could be currency. I right. Mean, really, it could be anything. Absolutely. As well, long as two people agree, agree that it's valuable. Absolutely. Exactly, and uh, you know that's, you know, we'll go into this later, I'm sure, but that's that's why I love you know, free market capitalism, man. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, uh, I got a couple plates. See that you have this sweet knife set. Can we trade? Mm-hmm. It's that simple, man. Absolutely. You know, the government is not needed for that transaction. And, uh, <clears throat> um, to, to call, to, sh- to shut everything down, you know, and, uh, 
again, listeners, you know, whoever, whoever ends up listening, like, I do hold a lot of libertarian principles and stuff, but I'm also pretty reasonable, I think, and, yeah, I mean, the government caused this problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, like, it can be true that the government caused a problem, and I don't believe that they can fix the problem, but we keep allowing them to make it worse. And this $600, we're... So even... It, it take out the rest of the the omnibus mm-hmm. spending, right? Just the COVID relief package, the $892 million. We are borrowing, or they are borrowing from us uh, almost $2,700, to uh, $2, mm-hmm. right? We're getting $600 in return. Mm-hmm. That is a terrible... Terrible ROI. Yeah, I, I don't know. Twenty seven hundred for six. Absolutely. Nobody's going to do that in any other practical, real world application. Well, and I, I can't. I haven't met somebody, and you know, maybe my sample size is small, but it just sure. doesn't seem as though I've met anybody that agrees that we need to do all this extra spending. These people are concerned about their own communities, their own restaurant owners, their own families. Like yeah. they don't care about, you know, the Middle East right now. Right. And and why should they? When like we said, the government set them up to fail by closing everything down and then not giving them any relief to, you know, be right. able to 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 survive on. So Brother, it is 2021. <laughs> Do you know what happened in 2001, my friend? September 11th. Mm-hmm. They attacked us. And I won't get into the conspiracies. I'm just going to go with the mainstream narrative, which uh, you know, and later we'll, I would like to talk about this because definitely didn't happen the way that they said that it happened. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody actually believes that, but I'm not going to go into the tinfoil hat wearing typical conspiracy theorist, which, by the way, uh, it's not really conspiracy theory if, if they if it ends up being right. Yeah. And no, there's absolutely. been a lot of things that are proven that it didn't happen the way that it did. But we'll just go with that narrative, man. That was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'll be 32 in four months. Uh, you know, I was 12 when this started. I was 12 years old, man. Mm-hmm. Fathers that fought in the original Iraq and Afghanistan wars. Now have sons that can fight, and that's sad, dude. That mm-hmm. that is really really sad. Well, and those same people that made those decisions about those checks are the same people who have been perpetuating yep. those wars. Yeah, and... dude, Pelosi, Schumer, and McConnell have been, and uh, Biden have been in office forty plus years apiece. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think about this. Uh, we're entering into our uh, 116th, I believe, or 117th. We'll, we'll have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure it's the 116th Congress that's starting. It's either mm-hmm. starting or ending, so it's either 116 or 117, mm-hmm. right? Well, <laughs> if, if Pelosi's been in office for 40-plus years, right, close to 50, mm-hmm. uh, that's 50 Congresses. Or 25 or whatever. And there's right. only been 100 of them. Right. So at the very least, you know, she's... Uh, <clears throat> been there at least a little well, under yeah. a quarter and of then, the time. But yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my point. Like, 
we have if you really think about it we haven't really had that many changes if the average terms 10 years for a congressperson right mm-hmm. if that's 10 years and we've been around little under yeah uh what Math is bad. Yeah, math is bad today. Um, what is what's the year? 2020? 20, 2021. 2021. Yeah. So <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, dude. 2021. What year are we going with? 1776? Sure. 245 then. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. 245 years since the Declaration has been signed. Uh... You know, and if the average, that's 20, but the, the powers changed hands 25 times, right? 10 year, 10 year average, 10 year average. That is something 20, to think about. 25 times, my dude. Well, and that doesn't even consider the fact that most of these are familial uh, political families, you know, like they, the they, Bushes, the yep. Clintons, the Kennedys. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm pretty sure, like, if you look back even further, some of them have changed their names so that they're not affiliated, but they're still in the, the political a- yeah, family. The Adams, like, the, yeah, the Jeffersons, mm-hmm. the Washington. You know, I'm sure. You know, John Quincy. There's been a couple father-son duos, man. Yeah, absolutely. once in our lifetime, Bush and Bush. Yeah, absolutely. The last time it happened, it was Adams and Adams, yep. which you know, a couple hundred years ago, sure, but. Again, 25 times. Yeah. It would have changed hands 20... There's 25 generations of it changing hands. That's not a lot, man. No, that's, it's, it's really not. not. It's actually kind of scary when you think about it. <laughs> Especially when you consider the creep in, in consolidation of power. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, well, and like the idea behind like, uh, you know, the American dream or whatever... All right, so uh, we had to take a little break. Um, we're both uh, big-time dog guys. You have two dogs. Uh, I live with two dogs. Um, one of them was choking on something, so we had to make sure she's okay, which appears she's okay. We were able to you know, do doggy Heimlich maneuvers and whatnot, but uh, you know, we, were, uh, we were talking about uh, political families and it. You know, only changing hands 25 times. Mm -hmm. And ideally, like I was saying, you know, the the American dream is a beautiful thing because there's not a lot of other places in the world with, like, upward mobility. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to talk about, you know, the American dream with the white picket fence, and I think that's a dream for some. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, you can't. You can't make a blanket statement about that, but for a lot of people, it's the thought of, okay, someday, you know, I'll be able to have a family and, um, you know, not necessarily a white picket fence, but, you know, it, in a good area, maybe if you want to, you know, live in the city, like, uh, Washington Park, yeah. for example. Yeah, you, know, you something. have a house, you family, uh, right. you know, a decent means of living. Yeah, for the most part, we don't have, you know, like, government-sanctioned war zones. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make the argument that, like, places like New York and Chicago are, like, war zones, but that's due to, you know, like, gang violence and stuff, and yet, well, that's bad, it's still not, you know, bombs aren't dropping here, for the right. most part. Yeah. You know, uh, there was that... Uh, 
that most recent uh, bombing in Nashville mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. RV. Yeah. You know, so yes, there are instances when bombs have gone off here, usually by fall guys and crazy people. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, yeah. Uh, if you follow, if you know anything about the uh, Kennedy assassination conspiracies, there's a, a lot of people don't think Lee Har- Lee Harvey Oswald committed the crime. Right. You know what I mean? There's yeah. usually a fall guy, yeah. if you will, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> no, I, th- I think that uh, with, the, with this whole COVID lockdown, they've taken away, you know, the American dream. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people come here every year mm-hmm. for a better life. You know, when you talk about immigration and stuff and where it's coming from, you know, uh, it's not just all people illegally crossing the border. Yeah. You know, it's not, <clears throat> there's a lot of people that come in from Mexico, but a lot of people come in from a lot of other places in the world too. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, I, I believe Mexican people coming here is probably the biggest percentage, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, probably 50 to 60%. So there's still 40% of the people and that's just because it's close, man. I mean, it's yeah. it, it borders. Yeah. You know, if uh, I don't think we it, we do have Canadians that come, but they don't. You know, that seems to be a a pretty stable country compared to you know like Mexico. And then yeah, uh, you know, I used to work at a place with a large Sudanese population. Mm, okay. Uh, there was civil war going on in Sudan or yep. some kind of conflict. I don't know enough about the details but Europe's made Africa their battleground for past several hundred years mm-hmm. and then we got into the fray really in in the 20th century big time you know now we're we're a world superpower yep you know we're giving again back to the stimulus of a billion dollars is going to Egypt <clears throat> like why not just make Seriously, there's so much that could be done with this money here. Absolutely. I mean, when you talk about homeless veterans, I mean, we live in Denver, a city that is rife with homelessness. It's crazy here. And it's it's something that's incredibly sad. And and Grand Rapids, same thing. Yeah. You know, LA, same thing. You know, you're talking about all these different places and, and you're dealing with the homelessness issue. And so it's like... I don't understand when we talk about public health services, when we talk about, you know, and I know you and I kind of differ in what those solutions are, maybe, but, you know, I think we can both agree on, and I think the average person, I would hope listening to this would agree that, you know, it's like, I would rather see that money spent here. Yeah, I would rather see that money spent on the veterans than... Well, if we're borrowing from ourselves temporarily, it's... It's not a good thing, okay? Right. But it is far better than borrowing against ourselves. It, at this point, we're borrowing from our great-grandkids. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if we were doing that to, like, get by right now, sure, you know. But a billion dollars to Egypt, $550 million for Israel. You know, mm-hmm. now I'm starting to get into some of the other uh, omnibus spending. but. Right. It's still government spending that could be used here. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, we were talking about Trump shutting everything down, mm-hmm. right? The, like, 
regardless, it was a lose-lose situation. Yeah. But what the federal government did allow was for the separate states to do what they wanted. And sure, that, you know, I'm a, a huge proponent of states' rights. Mm -hmm. You know, if it, like, I don't agree with the, you know, some of these abortion bills that they pass in these southern states, right? But if you don't like it, you can move. It's possible. It, it, you know, uh, <clears throat> now you can talk about, like, the disenfranchised, but that's, I'm not talking about, you know, they, when you, when we start talking about, we were, I had mentioned the scaling problem earlier. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> let's say the bottom 1% is super disenfranchised, right? Mm -hmm. That may be a lot of people, but it's still only 1%. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, but it's people we're talking about. So I don't want to take away from their struggle, but for the average working class family, you know, if you don't like these policies here, you do have the capability of moving somewhere else. Now it might be tough, but nothing in life is easy. Right. You know, and, uh, <clears throat> but the federal, so again, I'm a huge proponent of, of states' rights, but the federal government allowed these states to, you know, um, do their thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, where is where is the where is the man where is the right you know screaming? If we want this, you know, if you want this bill passed, you have to open up. Like you have to make mm. the governors of these states open up the economies. Sure. And if you look at where the lockdowns are the most severe, East Coast and West Coast, they're huge ports for us, man. Mm -hmm. Huge ports. Yeah. Like, most of the European traffic comes East Coast. Yeah. The Asian traffic, Russian traffic, whatever, comes from the West Coast. Right. <laughs> so, we just... All of these problems, uh, you know, are because the government is out of control. And this is the problem with the huge um, centralization of power. Like, right. no, absolutely. And like we were saying earlier, if 2020 proved nothing else to us, it's that local politics matter. Mm -hmm. The mayor matters. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no, and not just that, but like I said, it all matters. Yeah. It, it, it all matters because when you have, you know, back to this $2,000 stimulus and how, you know, these guys have blocked it and blocked it. And by these guys, I mean Mitch McConnell. You know, he has members of his own party even agreeing, saying, hey, we need to vote on this. Yeah. It's like... You know, and, and I'm not naive to the politics of that. I understand that Mitch McConnell might be giving them the pass to say, you know, some free stuff so that they can, sure. you know, just save face for their constituencies while he sits up and blocks it. You know, I, I'm not naive yeah. to that fact. But still, you know, to me, it, that's a real problem in the function of our of our Senate and, and, and vice versa for the the house as well when you talk about the speaker of the house when these people have that centralized power where mitch mcconnell is not going to lose his district in kentucky no it's just not going to happen it's, this last election proved it so yeah. it's like you know when he's not going to lose he can do whatever he wants as a speaker of the house and he can take all the heat all day long because none of these senators have to go on record and that goes for the democrats as well and so you know it, it is it's a it's a it's a centralization problem in you know, I, I, I've always advocated, you know, like you've heard me say, it's like, 
you know, I, I think the way that the money flows is backwards. Yeah. You know, the, the, the money gets taken directly from us to the federal government and we, we pay state taxes and sales tax and stuff like that too. But, you know, the federal government then turns around and takes our money and gives it back to the states. Right. And, and that's backwards to me. Yeah. It, it, um, it should be the other way. It, you know, I mean, that's, you follow the money on any major thing that anybody does and, and, well, it goes back to who approved it, where it came from, and, and you can follow that train into what a person's intent and interests are yeah. based on where that money flows. So, you know, to me, it's like solve that problem by reversing it and seeing how that works. And obviously, maybe it doesn't, but yeah, it, it seems like something that would have a more direct say in how we interact on a day-to-day basis and create a system where locally we'd have... Less centralized uh, representatives in a, a situation where we can, you know, uh, have a more direct control in, in how our republic functions. Right. So, um, so for clarification, real quick, and I know you know this, but you said uh, Mitch McConnell was the Speaker of the House. He's the, oh, yeah. the Senate. Yeah. I, I know yeah. you know, but I, I just wanted for anybody listening. That, yeah. Whoops. You know, yeah, my bad. Yeah, right. no. But, uh, yeah, I think. I think you're absolutely right um, on that, and I mean, yeah, we might disagree that how the taxes are spent, but mm-hmm. we, but but like you said, it's it's backwards. They're taking money from you and then redistributing it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, it it leads you to believe that it's convoluted on purpose, yep. right? And oh, it and, absolutely is because you need a population of unintelligent people. To stay in control, and you can't convince me, you know, that it's it's tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy to say that Pelosi, McConnell, Schumer, uh, Bernie Sanders, even, mm-hmm. you know, um, <clears throat> it's about maintaining power, mm-hmm. power and control. That's, you know, those people for a career politician. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about power. McConnell's blocking everything because he has the power to do so. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, again, um, not to get into the, the, the faults of the two-party system, mm-hmm. you got to have a balance there Absolutely. somewhere, you know. And, uh, yeah, the Republicans are, at, you're absolutely spot on when you say obstructionists. Mm-hmm. They eventually agreed to the Democrats' demands. Most of them are cowards. Mm-hmm. You know this. Uh, this whole time, you have individuals in the Senate talking about opening businesses back up. Well, Mitch, you're the you're the Senate Majority Leader, my guy. Like, make demands. You know, take take the uh, take the stimulus package and say, okay. We will pass this under the grounds that the states open back up. Mm -hmm. People can go about their business going back to working, you know. And, yeah, uh, you know, the restaurant industry can be very good for young people, Mm -hmm. you know. Can be very, it can be very lucrative and good for anybody if you're, you know, good at your day. And it is hard, uh, crappy work. You know, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but people need people need something to do besides staying at home. And the Republicans didn't demand 
that stuff be opened back up. Well, no, and <clears throat> at least Mitch McConnell didn't. He, right. as majority leader, he should have been the one telling Pelosi and the Democrats, "No, we're gonna if we want the stimulus bill passed, this economy needs to be opened back up." Well, I think they tried to do it in an underhanded way. And that's, and that's my problem with it is it's not about – because when these two parties, they bicker back and forth and then they come to a compromise, every time it seems the compromise is underhanded towards you oh, and I, the yeah, regular The only people. bipartisan bills are the bad – like the worst bills for this country are the ones that everybody's like, oh, we have bipartisan support. The CARES Act had bipartisan support. The Patriot Act has had Bipartisan support. All the defense bills that the defense spending bill that they just yep. passed seven hundred and forty billion dollar defense separate, budget separate from separate the omnibus, yep. separate from the COVID relief package, yep. seven hundred and forty million dollars on defense. Yep. And and you know I, I just I I can't see how that is reasonable right. spending. And, and and Trump, but you know, thank God we finally had a president come out and call him out on her BS. Too little, too late. Yeah, I no, think. I agree. You know, well, it was it was it wasn't in his uh, best interest. He's just doing that out of spite. You know that. I mean, sure, but regardless of, of the reasoning, right, right. Mm-hmm. So they screwed him. Sure, at least somebody's saying it though. For Absolutely. whatever reasons, it needed to be said. Sure. McConnell and Pelosi were like, okay, well, we're, the House was going in to override his veto, and the Senate was going in to override his veto of that bill. They both wanted this. That, oh, they did it. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if you heard, but they did it. I like, thought he signed it. Uh, no, he didn't sign it. He vetoed the defense bill. Okay, yeah, because there's then, been a lot going on. Yeah, so what happened was, for anybody who doesn't know, is in the Senate, they've been going back and forth, and Bernie Sanders and a couple other senators have been kind of you know, stringing out the process because he's been kind of obstructing them voting on the defense bill mm-hmm. because they don't want... They, Bernie Sanders and the the Senate Democrats wanted to get that two thousand dollar check passed. Mm-hmm. So that's what they were doing. And so uh, up until yesterday, I believe, uh, they were Bernie Sanders was able to keep the Senate in session by, you know, stringing out that process through all the Senate legalese and able to get that defense budget. Uh, vote, yeah, did, did postpone. He, did he filibuster? Yes, that's what he was okay, doing. Okay, so it, um, but he, I, they still ended up passing it anyways. Yeah. So and they didn't even vote on. They didn't vote on two things. They didn't vote on uh, Section two thirty uh, yeah. of the Telecommunications Act. Yep. And they didn't vote on the two thousand dollars stimulus checks. So they did the defense budget, and that's it. So yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, you know. Uh, but speaking of uh, votes, I know you wanted to talk about the January sixth electoral oh, college. Oh yeah. So just overview. Um, so okay. So, in this election, neither of us really supported anybody. I know uh, you kind of voted for Trump, but felt like maybe it was a dirty vote. Yeah, um, I didn't feel right about it, but I still thought it was infinitely better than Joe Biden. Sure. And and I think a lot of people feel your sentiment. Um, now, uh, that aside, you and I have tried to be objective about how this election has played out, and we've had extensive conversations over, you know, just the validity of the election, how it's played out, and all that stuff. And, yeah. and I think you and I have come, come to the conclusion that it's like, okay, clearly there's some sort of uh, fraud going on. 
um, to the extent we don't know because the the kind of obstruction that's been through the legal process, um, it it's been hard for this this event to play out. Neither of us agrees that there was fraud on a massive scale. We don't know to the extent that that's true. At least I don't. And I'm, well, you can we, we haven't had any proper investigations to find out if it if it was or not sure and we're not going to get that anyways no uh, if we do it'll be two years down the road and it won't matter um but but that all being said um you know neither of us necessarily has a ton of skin in the game mostly uh i think both of us agree that the integrity of our elections and uh, the process itself is probably the most important thing that, yeah, that's, that's um, important. We, we could be discussing. And, and so keep that in mind as a caveat when we talk about this because it's it's a very interesting subject. It's very it's one that's kind of touchy for a lot of people, but yeah. you know, um, I I think that when you talk about you know the politics of it and and how uh, this process is all played out, uh, then you can really kind of get to the root of why things have played out the way they have. So yeah, um, um, go ahead. So all right, uh, as I mentioned before, we we didn't really get an investigation, mm-hmm. you know, and. Uh, even if we did, I mean, they investigated 9-11, and we got a BS 9-11 report. We got a BS Kennedy report. So I don't believe we were going to get a fair and honest investigation on this. And, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but if Biden's president in two years, he's illegitimate. There's nothing. He's president. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so there's all sorts of stories out there on different stuff. And uh, like we've talked about before. These affidavits, you know, some places it's a five-year federal offense. Some places, like Michigan's, an extra fifteen-year state offense. Just, just for clarity, um, <laughs> for perjuring yourself. So, just kind of elaborate on that. Like, yeah. So, like, uh, okay, so it when you make a sworn affidavit, right? You're mm-hmm. you're sworn in, and you're saying this testimony is true, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you know when you lie under oath the charge is then perjury gotcha and uh so like i was saying um federally it's a five-year felony Mm -hmm. i believe so uh best case scenario if they really wanted to pursue that (laughs) good behavior probably two maybe three years in prison right Mm -hmm. um now if it's really egregious they might make you spend the whole time Right. In Michigan, and uh, I know for a fact in Michigan, it's a it's a fifteen year offense. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind when people are are swearing under oath and making these affidavits. They can go to prison if they're lying. Right you know? now, whether or not it's practical to, it's not really practical to to follow up on that, right? Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. But they're probably not going to. Right. But then you have videotapes and, you know, the, the whole the whole notion of it not, there not being enough evidence to, like, affect it overall. Well, the, that's probably true mm-hmm. um, on a federal popular level, right? Sure. We don't live in a direct democracy popular contest, though. Right. So... <clears throat> The 
the small jurisdictions add up to larger jurisdictions. And, you know, they're... <coughs> it could be sham. It could not be. You know, but they, they haven't done great investigations. And, they you know, they, they will tell you and they will say that, oh, well, Trump's, only, or Trump's filed 40 or 50 different cases within the courts. And he's lost them all but one or two, right? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of people have filed lawsuits. Right. Trump's legal team, at best, 10 lawsuits. I think it's like six. Mm -hmm. And they've won two of them. So that's they're at a 33% win rate. Mm -hmm. But none of these cases were... Uh, you know, it was all they were all thrown out on procedural grounds, mostly. And then the Supreme Court didn't believe that they had original jurisdiction, which in most cases they don't, but when a state sues another state, you know, then yeah, that's it's the Supreme Court's job to kind of referee and judge that. Then they have original jurisdiction. But uh, all that being said, <laughs> um, Joe Biden on, on the 6th, um, when they count the electoral votes, Joe Biden will, with 99.9% .9 certainty, be your president and be inaugurated on the on the 20th, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can get into a lot of the semantics. Uh, a lot of the issues are semantical. Um, the thing that's going to be, I think, the most interesting about the 6th is... Uh, Mike Pence is the one who reads the votes, you mm -hmm. know, and it's it's not who casts the votes, it's who reads the votes, right? Mm -hmm. Old saying or whatever. Maybe it's not an old saying, but in this case, I don't, <coughs> Pence is an establishment guy. I don't see any great overthrowing of this election. Um, so there were electors sent, alternative electors sent, by members of certain state legislators. Mm -hmm. But at least what I've seen into my knowledge, and I, I, I could be wrong, um, but uh, he's, he's uh, none of these alternative electors were actually ratified by the state legislator. So mm -hmm. there would have been, and there is an argument to be made of if the state legislator, because that's who, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but the state legislator is supposed to certify, you know, the vote and send the electors. Now, right. it's become commonplace for the governor to stamp their approval, right? But there is precedents like Nixon in the 60s. I think it was the 60 election, actually, where uh, um, the state legislator had sent um, Democrats... Uh, electors, right? But the, the governor sent a Republican elector or hmm. electors, and Nixon read off the, Demo the, the, the the Democrats, right? He read their votes, and that's how Kennedy became elected, right? Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> so, if the states had sent uh, certified electors, then yeah, Mike Pence could potentially then read Michigan Republican state. Legislators cast their vote, right? Mm -hmm. And then you would have a contend uh, um, a contingent election, right? But <clears throat> they, I, to my knowledge, the Republicans didn't certify in a legitimate session, and that's 
that's another problem too is I, I really followed some of these uh, press conferences and stuff and none of these hearings that these Republicans had were official and on the floor you know they were yeah they were at hotel rooms and stuff man like Giuliani gave a couple press conferences at hotels like the Marriott uh, the four there was a big scandal. I think it was the yeah, Four, the four seasons. seasons. Yeah, landscaping. that's what I'm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Remember so that. Yeah. It, none <laughs> of it was done uh, through this. They didn't have emergency sessions mm-hmm. or anything like that. So the establishment kind of said, "Okay." Mitch McConnell said, "Nobody's to, you know, I don't want anybody to bring up objections on the sixth. So on the sixth, when they're counting, as long as one member. Of both chambers of, of Congress, so uh, a re- member of the House of Representatives and a member of the Senate, mm-hmm. as long as is one from each house, there's a two hour. They get a two hour debate, right? And so they they want to look into this, you know, election fraud, and you did tell the American people the truth. Look, truth of the matter is, is there was some foul play. We can prove that there was foul play. Not enough foul play to overturn the election. And even if they, if there was, right, mm-hmm. and you can make a really good argument, you can't do it outside of legitimate uh, means. We're, we're a country of laws, right? Mm-hmm. Like when Trump got elected, he ran on the premise that we are a country of laws and we need to follow the law. Well, the law is members of the state legislator, you know, certifying this stuff. The law is, uh, like, the DOJ or the FBI, like we said before, investigation is in the FBI's name, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Mm -hmm. (coughs) They would investigate. It would be decided in court, right? Yep. There was... But there wasn't a whole lot, you know. They... At best, we had very half-hearted attempts mm-hmm. at there being, you know, uh, but even in the most Republican places, the Pennsylvania legislator could have certified their own electors, and Mike Pence would have to read those, I believe, right. because the Constitution says the state legislator sends the electors, not the governor. Right. But none of these places had the full legislator... Uh, it certified these people. You know, the most red of red areas. Like, it doesn't get much redder than central, middle Pennsylvania. Right. Mid-Michigan. Mm-hmm. Super red. Yeah. Those are Texas. Super red areas. Mm-hmm. They, they can't, the Republicans can't muster enough people to send their own electors. So, yeah. most likely, we might get a two-hour debate on the 6th from both houses. But more than likely, what's going to happen is Mike Pence is going to read Joe Biden for Michigan, Joe Biden for Pennsylvania, Joe Biden for Georgia. Um, that's probably what's going to happen. For sure. Like, I, uh, I am 99% certain. Yeah. Like, 99.9% certain. Like, uh, <coughs> too little, too late. Well, it's... I mean, I mean, we're just we're just at that point. I mean, it, 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 I think the unfortunate thing in the you know the the whole point of this podcast is is that 
the people who lose out in this whole situation is the American people. The integrity of their own voice, the integrity yeah. of their ability to have a say. And and you know, we you and I both listen to, you know, Joe Rogan a lot. And, you know, one of the FBI former directors was on there, or maybe it was CIA, I can't remember. Um, but one of those guys was was on his podcast talking about how the perception of a uh, election that has integrity and uh, actually is a representation of the votes that are cast uh, is paramount to any democracy uh, or our republic. And and so it's, I mean, that's that's where I have issue with it. And, and you know, like I said before, you already know, man. I don't like Joe Biden. Right. I, I yeah, he's not he's not going to be you know the. It seems like every time we have a president, though, you know, George Bush was Republican Jesus for a while. Trump's Republican. Well, Trump's really not Republican Jesus. Trump's just Trump Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but Obama. I mean, that dude was a rock star. You know, he's he's worshipped by the left and. Not so much anymore. I, I've never seen somebody's legacy kind of destroyed as much as Obama's was because, mm. dude, like four and a half years ago, he was a hot dog. And like now I hear him revered as, you know, too centrist, too, you know, not enough progressive, not enough, didn't do enough for the black community, didn't do enough this, bombed too many people in the Middle East. And, you know, there's validity to some of those arguments for sure, but... I, I just, it's kind of crazy how to see that turn, you know what I'm saying? I mean, so look, man, it was a big deal when Obama endorsed Biden, right? Like, that was a huge deal. It sure. was on the news for days, okay? Well, in the... Sure, there's a lot more criticisms now. Dude, I don't care what an ex-president has to say about, well, about what a, a current president's doing. Like, if George Bush made commentary on Barack Obama, who cares, dude? You started three wars. You lied to us about weapons of mass destruction. No, I gotcha. You know, and they gave Obama a Nobel Peace Prize. And he killed almost as many people as George Bush. Like, it might be a couple hundred thousand. But when Whatever. you're talking, it it, once you breach the million point... <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a threshold that... <laughs> Like a minimum threshold yeah, for a no. Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like Carter, I believe they gave Carter a Peace Prize. And I mean, his whole deal was peace. Right. Like, people hated that. Mm -hmm. We very much wanted to be at war with the Russians mm -hmm. or the Chinese. Or I mean, Carter was way before my time. So, I mean, I might be speaking. Uh, in an area of not my expertise, but I mean, from the things that I've seen, like he, he wanted peace, right. you know, and Obama talked about having peace, but they let computer algorithms based off of cell phone data, uh, control drone bombings. Mm -hmm. I mean, Obama had bombed, uh, you know, uh, what's that dude's name? Uh, in Yemen, he killed an entire family. Like oh, he killed yeah. a father. Yemen? Yeah. Oh, okay. With a, uh, he killed that American yeah. citizen mm -hmm. for what he knew, and then he wiped out that entire bloodline, dude. Yep. You know, and it, I don't want to get too far. Uh, let me circle back to uh, uh, <clears throat> the sixth and whatnot. Um, but supposedly, 
there's supposed to be like 10 million people. Like Alex Jones said, 10 million Patriots are going to show up to Washington, D.C., right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago... They you had, do realize you just cited Alex Jones, right? <laughs> I, yeah, so... <laughs> yes, I did cite Alex Jones, yeah. So, uh... I'm just I don't, I don't really get into the InfoWars <laughs> stuff. All right, and we're back. Uh, we had to take a... Brief hiatus, uh, the dog was choking and she had to go to the vet. It was a big ordeal, but uh, glad to be back here with you, JR. Yeah, I'm glad to be back too, Water. I, uh, I, I'm I, real interested in what you had to say uh, with the the 10 million MAGA march. And, and you know, I, I was thinking about that after, you know, you had to go to the vet and stuff. And, you know, where, where I think that's kind of interesting is we have this, this, uh, this Georgia election runoff. And so you have that happening on the fifth, today, and then today, yeah, yeah that's, exactly. that's happening on the fifth. And you have the the ten million MAGA, or uh, I, you know, I'm not even really sure what the official name of the the protest is. But uh, so basically, like I was saying on the sixth, um, you know, and I yeah, I did hilariously quote Alex Jones, but uh, yeah, ten million people are supposed to be in DC. Um, so the last time in December, there was the million mega hat March, right? Yeah. Uh, I believe that's what the official name was, mm -hmm. at least on Facebook, what I had seen and whatnot. And so you got a hundred to 200,000 people out of a million and DC is not that big of a place. Right. So that's a huge number of people there, right? It's definitely not the million, but that is a considerable amount of people. So if you, if you just take 10 to 20%, and you figure it's going to be at least 10 to 20%, you're talking 1 to 2 million people sure. supporting Donald Trump. Right. Plus, Antifa already said they were going to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, some spicy stuff has happened in the past uh, since the last time we were talking. Um, Enrique Torres from the Proud Boys was arrested. Oh, uh, really? For vandalism, yeah. So back in December, uh, allegedly, uh, and when I say allegedly, I'm not saying... This didn't happen. I'm saying, allegedly, he has done it. Okay, it's not proven in the court of law or anything like that. But apparently, some uh, uh, proud boys climbed over a fence for um, a historical black church, took off the Black Lives Matter flag down, and burned it. Right? Pretty common tactics. We've seen this kind of thing all summer. Not necessarily with the proud boys. Uh, tearing down flags and stuff, but I mean, there's all sorts of videos of Antifa uh, in the Black Lives Matter protest, or at the Black Lives Matter yeah. protest. Pick, taking, a, pick a group and yeah. you'll see them burning a flag yep. of the exactly. opposing group. It's, yes. Yeah. Tribalism yeah. at its finest. Absolutely. 100%. And you got, uh, <laughs> rumor is Proud Boys aren't going to display that they're Proud Boys. There's been rumors that uh, they're going to dress up in all black like Antifa. Hmm. Um, so the mayor actually called in the National Guard. So the National Guard's gonna be there now. Well, they're doing the right thing. <laughs> uh, I, I would say on face level, yes, they would, would be doing the right thing, but uh, back to the tribalism thing like we were um, talking about, uh, where, where was the National Guard all summer? You know, uh, in fact, um, 
you and I had gotten in a pretty heated conversation about whether or not it was right for the National Guard to be in Portland protecting the federal buildings mm -hmm. when you had, <clears throat> oh, I came here in July, so we're talking, you know, two months since uh, Mr. George Floyd was uh, murdered. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I really do believe he's murdered. he was murdered. And, you know, I, I, I do adhere to more conservative libertarian view of things but yeah dude like you can't watch that eight minutes and 48 seconds and not say man this dude was murdered right no so, reasonable person yeah can. no no and like so the whole country was behind like okay yeah this wasn't right like nobody thought it was right every on the twitter facebook uh instagram uh, I mean, you even seen those crusty old white geezers, Pelosi, Schumer, taking a knee, which we, we can get onto the pandering subject later, the Democrats for sure. But, you know, it, it, it was a huge event that happened here in the United States and set off a bunch of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yes, the, the National Guard being there might be the right thing, but... Is it for the right reasons? You know, it. I'm not saying that you let everybody pillage and destroy, but as soon as the right wing wants to have a protest, oh, we need a national guard in. Like uh, when you're talking about tribalism, and it, especially with tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? Like you got your far left, you got your far right. These guys are ready to clash. They've they've been clashing everywhere, mm -hmm. and. I think what what will be very interesting is in the past couple of weeks we've seen right wing protests in uh, Washington, Oregon, and uh, they're bear macing the police. They're burning Blue Life Matters flags. They're uh, they're saying f the police now. So <clears throat> more than likely, what I think is going to happen is we're, we we are going to see violence between the left and the right. But there is a slim possibility because progressives. Uh, in anarcho types on the left, they don't like Biden. They don't like Biden. They don't really care for Harris. Uh, the Proud Boys, Patriot Prayer, the Trump supporting groups, you know, these guys, they don't like, if Donald Trump's not their president, they, like, his whole thing has been anti-establishment, right? Absolutely. Now, we yeah. can get into the semantics of whether or not right. he drained the swamp, there was really anti-establishment or not, but that is what he ran on. Mm -hmm. And those are what, those ideas are what the Proud Boys and, like, Patriot Prayer and the, some of these other right-wing groups, uh, they subscribe to, you Absolutely, know? So, yeah. if Trump's not going to be president, and... It looks like he's probably not going to be president. All Like I said, 99.9% .9 chance Donald Trump is not your president anymore. Come January 20th, it's going to be Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. But there is this tiny, and I always hope for this every time something like after George Floyd died, it, you know, I'll circle back to that and how he's relevant is we had an actual chance to come together and fight the establishment mm -hmm. on this because... Nobody in America thinks that there doesn't need to be police reform. Right. And with all the lockdowns that we've had all year, the conservative groups are really finally starting to come around and say, you know what? Screw the police, man. Absolutely. You, they're the ones that are enforcing 
the lockdown edicts. Right. You know, when we talked about the 15 governors, they can't do anything. They can't call the National Guard in to enforce this stuff, right? Because then that looks really bad. Like, you're not going to convince anybody that the National Guard is... Like, oh, it's it's a good thing coming in to enforce this, right? Then right. you're going to have people screaming, okay, this really is martial law at this point, right? right? And there is a very good argument to be made that we are already living under martial law, but semantically, martial law is military law, right? It's, it's rule under the military. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're, the police are the ones that... Again, they're they're enforcing this stuff. So the conservatives, they they are really starting to become pretty anti-police. And so, again, my hope is that maybe these two groups will come together and they'll fight the man. Well, and dude, it's one of those things where, you know, kind of wrapping back around to George Floyd, you know, that you saw that moment where... You know, you could you could talk to your conservative friend if you're a liberal or you if you're a conservative, you could talk to your liberal friend and you would agree. Yeah, that George Floyd video, that was screwed up. Yeah. And nobody I talked to or anywhere online agreed and said, yeah, George Floyd deserved to die right there. Yeah. Like, no, I, absolutely not. And uh, so it's just one of those things, man, where like, you know, we talked a little bit before the the problem I had all of, all summer was when the military was starting to march down the streets, the right was starting to, like, they were kind of capitulating to sure. that. Mm-hmm. They were saying, oh, well, it's for a good cause. And, mm-hmm. and in a lot of these cities, like we've said before, you know, you did have kind of this breakdown in order, you know, P- yeah. Portland, Seattle. Absolutely. Like, that's not a bad situation for the governors or the mayors to say, hey, we need the National Guard to restore right. order here. That's what that's for. Right. But, you know, where where I, I saw that dissonance was, like I said, these conservatives who, you know, they 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 just bent over to it and said, okay, well, let's well, just be so okay with if that. You, if you have – so the left for years, my entire life, they've been calling gun owners gun nuts, mm-hmm. irresponsible, these, these gun nuts. They worship their guns. So I'm just saying from a, a conservative point of view because I, I do get you. It is kind of anti uh, – it's an oxymoron to stockpile weapons against the government. And then when the government is actually doing stuff that some people don't feel is right, some people felt is right, but mm-hmm. like really acting kind of not good. I mean, it's not good when the National Guard comes in ever. And so I'm not going to go risk my neck out fighting the federal government for a bunch of, and I'm air quoting here, commies. Sure. And that's really like when you talk to a lot of conservative people, they really share that sentiment. Like right. you, it, so the greatest disservice of this two-party system, especially like everybody's like, "Oh man, the two-party system's ruining everything." Great, I can make arguments all day to to agree with that, to disagree with that, right? Mm-hmm. But when you vilify each other. Then when the people, you know, and the left has given up a lot of their guns, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at over the course of 2020, most of the people buying guns were in pretty liberal places, you know? Uh, Food shortages, riots, like, there's never a better time for, like, full 100% mandatory, like, I don't know why we don't have universal 
gun laws. Like, you know how they're, the Democrats want to push for, like, universal health care? The Republicans probably should push for, like, universal gun ownership. Something like that, right? Well, and, and I've been a proponent, you know, and I, I kind of want to reel this back, but I, I, I've been a proponent for, you know, saying that as a culture in the United States— you know, we can sit and say, and we shouldn't ignore the data when we talk about mass shootings and gun ownership sure. that, you know, these other countries, Norway, Denmark, uh, Japan, you mm-hmm. know, Canada, even yeah. uh, the, these countries that have enacted strict gun control while they don't have mass shootings. Well, yeah, that's that's the, the math there. But what we really th- I, I really think we need to have the conversation of is is what kind of culture do we want to have? And we can't have one that's in the middle. We have to have one that is either we're going to have guns and we're going to teach and create a a society that has respect for weapons to where, you know, I grew up around guns. I understood that you never point a gun around anybody. You you never use that as a weapon towards somebody else. So it's a respect thing. And when you grow up with that respect, you understand the use of that tool is for hunting. It's for protecting your family. It's for, you know, recreational sport but it's not to hurt people in right. that way. Right. And so, you know, I think if we have that kind of culture in, in the United States, then it's one that kind of prevents those those suicides by gun, those homicides by gun, right. those situations. So, but I want to reel it right. back yeah. in. Yeah, no, we, we, um, we, could, we could talk for six hours on why everybody in America needs to own a gun. But I will say, I do, I do want to add, you know, all those places you just named. You know who they call when... Uh, Crap hits the fan. Oh, it's the United it's States. It's the United States. Absolutely. So, and we give them guns and we give them, yep, you know, military exactly. advice and, and power and, and stuff like that. You so. know, the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Now, that might not be a private individual, but if you call the police, guess what? You're calling a good guy with a gun. Right. So, Absolutely. Um, but to, to circle that back to, to the riots and then what's going to happen tomorrow. So they've also, in D.C., um, they've enacted a gun ban in D.C. You can't. <laughs> can't bring guns to these protests for like the next two or three weeks there's a, a temporary gun ban wow yeah so dc is a, is it's really it's it's a really blue area anyway so like fire they don't really let you have guns and bullets like i think you have to be registered i could be wrong mm-hmm. but i think you have to be registered to buy ammo in dc like mm-hmm. that's how strict they are so but uh you know the media is is saying has been saying for weeks this is going to be bloody violent and stuff and you know Dude, last night I went on online to look up info about you know the sixth vote and just do some research I couldn't even find information from any sort of government website or any sort of and it could be my algorithms I skew left a little bit so sure. you know maybe they're trying to fear monger me but. Every article was five reasons why you shouldn't go to the protests in D.C. Yep. And it's like, well, first off, like, yes, I understand, like, going voluntarily to something like that is probably not the smartest idea when we all understand that, you know, you're having Antifa, you know, ramp up. You're yeah, having the, the Proud Boys ramp the, up. For the average people, it might not be a good idea if you can't protect yourself. Sure. You know, and... uh with the National Guard, there's reports that uh, the mayor there requested them, but they're they're not to be armed. Mm. So, like, if you, I don't know how true or not true that is, but uh, it's out there. Um, you, you can find it online, and uh, 
If you're not going to have a National Guard with weapons, why even call in the National Guard? Like, that's, that's a waste of resources, right? And I'm not saying that I think that the National Guard should go in and uh, pepper spray, shoot the, uh, the those big rubber bullet canisters, man, that are like... I've been hit by them, dude. It's yeah, not fun. That, yeah, you, that's right. You guys did get hit by them down at the protest here in Denver, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, so it's an experience that I'm all too familiar with. And, and you know, uh, it's a different situation sure. considering, you know, the circumstances around that. You know, here in Denver, it was more a, a, a racial justice, George Floyd, Breonna sure. Taylor, yeah. uh, whom I personally knew. It's, it's these things that, you know... That's the, that's the difference. And so right. I, I think, you know, when you, you have this situation where they know they're ramping up and then you have the National Guard getting called, it's like, okay, you're going to this situation and we know what it's already going to be. Where's the benefit here? Where right. and, and so, like, kind of like you said, you know, there's that small sliver, that area where I think there's a, a chance and it's not high. A high probability. No, you're you're talking maybe like you probably have a better chance of dying from COVID, right? Than than uh, I'm assuming you're going to say the left and the right coming coming together, together absolutely, yeah, no, and you, and fighting the establishment yeah. and and the irony, you know, and and the whole purpose of us doing this podcast is to get people to understand that, you know, the right and the left, while they may not agree on everything, we enemies? are we are all upset. By the situation in politics, that's why Donald Trump was president, and and yep. we can sit here and say, well, now Joe Biden's president. Well, yeah, maybe Joe Biden is going to be the president, and and that he's looks not to be the case. Anybody. He's a bumbling fool. He's the establishment. What everybody yep. who voted for Donald Trump wanted out. Yeah. And so you know, my hope is is that we can all come together and stop buying into these political games that these yeah. pundits sit up here and, and they put us against each other with these talking points that are given to you by CNN or right. MSNBC or even Fox News or Breitbart or whoever you get your news from. You know, a lot of these have the same format where they get their talking points and their pundits on. They yeah, give them their talking points and yep. say, this is what you can say. You've got three minutes. Yeah. That's no, that's not enough time to discuss uh, good ideas at all. That's I really do believe that's why Joe Rogan is as popular as he is mm -hmm. because – he, he'll have on Alex Jones. He'll have on, like, uh, I don't know if he had Enrique Torres on there, but, like, he's not afraid to talk to the Proud Boys. He's not afraid to talk to fringe conspiracy theorists. He's, he's not afraid to talk to your uh, Edward Snowdens. He's not afraid to talk to, uh, um, I don't think he's had Julian Assange on, but... I'm sure he'd talk he talked to him. He would definitely talk to Julian Assange. Like, he's given Snowden, what, two or three podcasts now? Yeah. Like, he would definitely, definitely talk to Assange. And uh, so, if you, that is one thing that I really hope people can remember in the next coming weeks is that we've been brainwashed into believing that our neighbors are our enemies. Mm -hmm. But really, if we all came together, Right, and you, it, people will still support Gavin Newsom. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that there's a recall against him, and it it doesn't have enough votes for it already. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Come on, like he's been caught what two, three times now eating in a restaurant with no mask. Like mm -hmm. like you said earlier in the show, rules for thee, but not for me. Same but thing you, here in Denver. Yep. So uh, what? Yeah. What's what's the mayor's name? Mayor Hitch or Hancock, I believe. 
is yeah mike hancock yes yeah so we, we might be wrong on the first name but it, i'm pretty sure it's hancock and yeah the dude tweeted out 30 minutes before he got on an airplane avoid traveling if possible Dude, why don't you avoid traveling with possible? Oh, well, my my daughter's in Mississippi or Texas, I forget, or Florida, Florida yeah. somewhere. It doesn't matter. No. You, if you're telling the American people not to travel... And then you, instituting the mandates and the force, the full force of the government and the law to yeah. enact and enforce those things, then... Yep. Yeah, you're using violence. That's really what it is. When you know, when uh, a lot of uh, and I'll and I'll circle back, but a lot of the taxation and stuff, guys, they say that the government is forcing this via force, and that's what they've done with these lockdowns. And people still support this guy. I bet you, when's he up for election? 2022. I believe so. Yeah. Five bucks says he gets reelected. Oh, I guarantee you, he will. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, not to say, you know, and I, I do want to bring it back to the march, but... Yeah, no, we, yeah, um, we got to get back, <laughs> back to the march. But I, I just, I think that, you know, that's one of those things where, where people, you know, they're weighing their politics and, and because of our two-party system, there's not, there, there's not viable alternatives for people. No. Nope, you know, and, and then you got that media machine that... You know, tells everybody, well, you have to vote for Joe Biden because he's the only one who can win. You have right. to vote for Mayor right. Hancock because he's the only one who can well, win. And, and they've, you know? painted, they've painted uh, Donald Trump as a racist. And I'm not here to argue whether or not he's racist or not. But we definitely know Joe Biden is a racist. Like, on record, in the Senate, dropping N-bombs. He was against, uh, you know... Racial integration within the schools. He signed off on the crime bill. So it's... It's who's racist, you know, do you want, right? Which which racist pervert do you want, basically, right? And uh, to go back to, to, to actually get back to the march, uh, that's or the protest, the riot, I don't I don't know. I hope it's I hope it's peaceful. Absolutely. Uh, I hope there is a lot of civil be, uh, civil disobedience though. That that's the most effective form of protest. Like Absolutely. They, they can't arrest everybody. You could bring in the entire national guard and they still. If 10 million people showed up in support of Donald Trump, and then another one or two million people showed up to oppose them, you know, it it would be a madhouse. Like they they right. can't they can't arrest everybody. Right. You know, and, well, then, and then with the mask and everything mm-hmm. else. Oh, and 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 talking civil disobedience. I mean, you know, when we're downtown in Denver having a protest, you know, after three days or four days of that, they bowed down and and signed a a law that took away and stripped away a lot of the the laws that allow police officers here in in Colorado, at least. On a superficial level. Very, very superficial level. Like it... They did, but they really didn't. Well, yes. I, I mean, being realistic, the laws don't go into effect until 2023, I believe. And so, oh, so yeah, you know, you have yeah. – I mean, it's a surface level, you know, because you Band-Aid. and I both know that, you know, in, in 2022 when Jared Polis is up for election, you know, and, and maybe he loses – they're writing new legislation to to get that taken away. Yeah. So you know, it, well, but but my point is yeah. is that civil disobedience historically has worked. Yeah, and, every time, and it's look an effective at, look at way what to do. During the civil rights marches, yeah, a lot of those people did get their asses kicked. And uh, sorry for the language, I just wanted to hit home. Like, yeah, these these there was a lot of bad stuff that happened. Uh, 
in the 60s and then in the 50s trying to get out of Jim Crow and the segregation and stuff. But also keep in mind, all of that was sanctioned by the government. Mm -hmm. It was all sanctioned by the government. So, again, you know, with the, with the, Martin Luther King knew that if he put people on national TV and they were sitting there and they were pepper spraying him or them, they were shooting them. Uh, you know what? I don't know if they had rubber bullets back then, to be totally honest. But I they had, had batons. I, they had, <laughs> yeah, they had batons. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. Like, they, you know, I would argue that a baton's probably far oh, worse than yeah. a rubber bullet. Oh, yeah. You're going to get hit with that rubber bullet, and if, as long as it's not between the eyes or in the head, it's going to leave a welt. Like, doesn't I, feel good, but a it's... grown man can kill you with a baton. Mm -hmm. So, but he knew that if they just sat there, if they marched, if they didn't cause any violence against them, nobody that was seeing that was going to be like, oh yeah, that's the right thing. Mm -hmm. And sure, in the South, there was a bunch of racists, but guess what? Uh, I believe it was Kennedy um, sent in the National Guard and said, nah, uh-uh, no, you governors can't do this. It was either Kennedy or the president after him. Mm -hmm. But they were like, no. So, you know, if, if in the next couple of weeks we... Get enough civil dis disobedience, you know, who who knows, you know, I, you know, maybe if 10 million people are in D.C., Trump stays president, you know, if he, if he feels that he has the support, we might get something crazy, but I, again, I don't, Donald Trump's not the evil genius the media's made him out to be, or the bumbling buffoon that the media's made him out to it be, can't like, be both. yeah, it can't be both, right? And uh, I, I just don't. If he was going to file uh, under the Insurrection Act, which is what a lot of uh, very hardcore pro-Trump supporters are saying, you know, Insurrection Act, martial law, whatever, that's it's not going to happen. No. He, he, if he was going to do that, he would have done that over the summer. And people freaked out on the very small military presence that there was defending Capitol buildings, mm -hmm. which... You know, whether or not he has the right, that's a different conversation for a different time. But it's going to be crazy. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't know if you want to talk about uh, the, the runoff in this episode or if you want to make everybody no, we'll, wait for the next we'll episode. Wait. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so we should get some really, really interesting stuff happening mm -hmm. in the next week or so. And then, you know, the 20th is the inauguration. So... Yep. Yeah, I'm not really sure what what they're hope is, hoping to accomplish. You know, by all means, I think almost every constitutional and legal avenue has been uh, um, every road's been gone down, constitutionally and legally wise. Uh, so I just don't see Trump staying president. Absolutely, I, I really don't. And. I really, my, so my two biggest hopes for today and tomorrow, because people have already, they're already in D.C. Yeah. right now. Yep. There's already a lot of people in D.C. right now. Yeah. Hopefully a bunch of people don't die. Hopefully the government doesn't uh, shoot a bunch of people. Hopefully, you know, nobody is getting pepper sprayed and tear gassed. I, we both know it's going to happen, but my hope is, is it doesn't. And I guess my biggest hope is that 
guys, Antifa, Proud Boys, they both hate the government, the establishment at this point, right? Like, that's their whole thing, you know? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Sun Tzu from The Art of War, one of the oldest books to mankind. And you had, I guarantee you, the Antifa guys have far more in common with the Proud Boy guys than any of the uh, elite than than they have in common with any of those elites because look what uh look what happened all summer they pandered to antifa right they 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 pandered to these people Mm -hmm. so like they could get a vote well they're they're very quickly turning their backs on them now well and and kind of just just to wrap this up i i i hold your same sentiments you know and and you know while i might we might disagree that you think Donald Trump might be a slightly better crap sandwich. And, <laughs> and I might think that Joe Biden is a slightly better crap sandwich. They're both crap sandwiches. They're both crap sandwiches. And I think the American public needs to understand that none of us need to die on this sword for these people. None of us need to die on this hill because these people wouldn't do the same for us. No, they didn't. They, and they've, that. and they've, in fact, you know, it's the opposite. They, these people, these are the people who have ruined everybody's lives. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, Stephen Crowder with his whole sitting at the table to change my mind. Government's reaction to the coronavirus was way worse than the coronavirus is ever going to be. And I would be open to have somebody try to change my mind, but at this point, can't change my mind, dude. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you and I have both listened to doctors, and and you know what a doctor would do to kill a virus is not how you handle people. Right. Like you know, the, you look at you ask epidemiologists, what would you do to get rid of this coronavirus? Tell people to not do anything. That's what they'd say. You know, well, you can't have people interact with each other. Well, that's not a viable solution. No, it's not. We're social creatures. Right. And so so my point with that is I agree with you. I think that, you know, as a, a net whole, we're talking a net loss in terms of, you Absolutely. know, the the economic impact, the financial impact of individual households and the overall attitude that the government has had towards the American citizen with these $2,000 stimulus checks. Um, hey, I mean, I, I don't. I don't foresee us being in a, a better spot. So. No, uh, to oh, I don't even know who sings it to quote it. I can't even can't even quote this person right. But uh, bitch, better have my money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as far as the stimulus goes, sure, and, sure. Uh, I I think that's a pretty good place to, yeah, to end for I, the day. And, I think we got about an hour and a half, so uh, we appreciate you guys if you're you're listening, and we're gonna try and. Uh, create a pretty uh, consistent content schedule. So just going to keep you updated on uh, basic topics going on. And, and we're really going to get in delve deep into some of these topics. Uh, we were surface level this, this episode just because it's the first episode and we had a lot we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, and I still think we only got through about really like a quarter of what we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Honestly. So there's it, just, there's so much, you know, mm-hmm. and like I said earlier, there's so many problems here in the United States. And, you know, again, I I don't really have a problem with foreign aid. Now is not the time. Well, and and the American people are, are more important. Absolutely. So I think that's where we'll stop, and we appreciate you guys for listening. Um, so this is In the Middle with JR and Water, and, and we hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show.